All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the start of something new, a DCOM podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me, as always, is my co-host and fellow cyclist, Kate. And this is the podcast in which we review every single Disney Channel original movie in chronological order, all the way from Under Wraps to The Slumber Party. And this is Season 3, Episode 11, in which we'll be discussing the 55th Disney Channel original movie, Buffalo Dreams. Um, But before we do that, Kate, how have you been since our last recording? I know you have a little bit of a quick disclaimer to give to the listeners. Yes, you may have noticed our audio has reverted very temporarily. This is because tonight I went in to plug in my microphone and it had dropped on the ground and it is broken. So I actually I placed an order for a new one as soon as it happened. Thankfully, I had I did not budget for this, but I have some Christmas money. Um, so I went ahead and spent some of that to get a new one. So we will be going back to quality quality audio however there's not much i can do about that for this episode unfortunately um i'm very sad that my hundred dollar mic only lasted a handful of episodes but alas here we are it's okay um i oh other than that um you know things have been a little bit stressful but i am officially on spring break now i know jake you have been on spring break this is the like part of the the part of time where we have our brief overlap in which we're recording um so that is nice I actually I still work today so this is like literally the very beginning for me and so I'm just excited to have like a little over a week off but how about you Jake how have you been on your spring break I know (laughs) my spring break when they're literally like um uh, forecasting like a snowstorm tomorrow (laughs) That's how it goes. That's how it goes. We're in the Midwest. But see, now I'm south of you. And so I feel like it's so it's nice where I am. But it's also it's like 50 ish generally. So like it's like that's nice. But yeah, um, my family up where you are, I've been monitoring the weather and it is not great. No, but you know what? That that be Michigan. Michigan in Michigan, it can be like snowing in May for all we know. I know, I know. That's how it goes. You know, it's so funny because I really wanted to move somewhere warm. Like I am a warm weather girly, and I uh, it just did not happen for me. Like I moved to North Carolina for a bit, and I'm originally from Michigan, but Jake. So you would think. You would think that that would be warmer. Um, And it was a little bit, but I moved to the mountains. So altitude, Um, which it was beautiful, but was it warm? No. And then now I'm in Indiana, which is warmer than Michigan because I'm quite south, but alas, still Midwest. So I can't escape. I really can't escape, but that, that how it be. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, I'm just um enjoying my time off. I'm actually getting ahead on some of my work because it really hit me that once we get back, it's like a month and a half and like I'm done and it's like what? I also submitted um my uh the work I want to be showcased at our online exhibition and then we'll have our in-person exhibition come graduation time, which I get to set up 
my work in a little designated area of the school and I just get to sit there and have people come through and look at it and I'll be like, this is my work. This is what I can do. That's so exciting. I'm so excited for you. Um, You're going to have to tell me all the details. I probably won't be up in Michigan for it, but like, tell me all the details. Tell me how it goes. So excited for you. I can't believe you're graduating in like literally like almost a month. Yeah. Like a month and a half. Like that's, insane literally just six more weeks of winter and then it's done for you pretty much and then i just get to start throwing my name and resume out there i'm like you know all right i'm in the professional field now which i was talking to a friend the other day um because i don't know if you were aware of this but the trailer for the uh the new teenage mutant ninja turtles movie came out it's animated and it's like in this new it's like continuing in this new current trend of like it's, it's it's cgi but it's like stylized to make give it like that 2d feel and i'm like thank god i'm going to the field as like this is becoming a thing so it's not just like 3d model everything it's like i can probably at least do concept art and stuff and it'll probably look somewhat somewhat like what the final movie will look like because everyone's doing the stylized stuff now which i love because i love how creative movies are getting with their animated movies are getting now with their visual styles it's very fun that's so cool i definitely have to check that out i haven't seen it yet but that sounds really cool um i definitely love some mixed mediums so i'm excited to see it mm-hmm. um but yeah other than that i'm just like hanging out you know i didn't really get i didn't get to go anywhere because i still have to work but you know it's just been nice having some time off and then when we get back to it you know it's in the final stretch but you know um for right now you know we're just chilling chilling out we also listeners you didn't get to hear this obviously but we spent like a good almost half an hour before we even started recording talking about the the possible probably most likely going to happen uh our next uh florida trip yes this time we will be in uh florida for about a week possibly a little over a week doing uh i think we're looking at doing four park four park days and maybe a water park day um and we are excited we're 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 pumped we're pumped and i promise you now i'm gonna try and do better at uh posting on the socials while we're there than i did last time because i really did not do a good job posting on the socials last time (laughs) Yeah, but last time was a whirlwind, too. Like, it was a long weekend, and we did two, two and a half park days, because we did, like, a Universal Day, a Disney Day, and then uh, Horror Nights. And we were only there for, like, four or five days total. Yeah. But, like, this time will be better. Maybe maybe we'll live stream us in line for Tron. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about a something that we are we have strong feelings about, but we're excited to see how it holds up with not a lot of hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, see, this is when we'll just turn into a full theme park channel and then we'll post our review of the dinner we eat. <laughs> Yes, but we we will keep up with the socials more, and we definitely were also excited um, to, I'm sure we'll record at least one episode when we're down there, just because we'll be together. Um, So if you're into theme park stuff, though, let us know. We could do a whole bonus episode on park stuff being there. Like, we did a D23 episode a while back, um, if you've been with us for a bit. So if that interests you, let us know. Will we do it anyway? Possibly. We'll see. Um, we're right now looking at like 
the end of July into the first part of August, um, up through mid late August for this. Um, I'm waiting on some scheduling stuff, which is frustrating, but it is what it is. And so we will hope to update y'all soon on this uh, adventure. Yes. And it will be an adventure because um, we're going to try and hit all four Disney parks and then both of the universal parks that exist for the moment. Cause as you guys know, coming soon, there will be a third gate at universal. It'll be very exciting. Yes. Jake and I have planned for like literally years that we're going to go to Epic universe together, hopefully in 2025. So, you know, it's funny because it feels like forever away, but it's really only like two years, which is crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. Because we'll keep you guys updated on that. And then once we are officially there, we will probably spam your uh, Instagram timelines with photos and videos. But you know what? It'll be fun. It'll it'll be great. So we will keep you updated on that. But for those of you who are not interested in theme parks, um, we do have a movie to get to today. But before we get into that movie, Kate, we actually had some somewhat Disney Channel original movie news while we were away. This is some more news about Descendants 4 slash The Pocket Watch. I'm still not sure what title they're officially going with, but um, we got some more casting news. And this is some very interesting casting. I'll let you know right up front. Okay, I'm nervous, but all right, let's hear it. So as you know, the movie is going to center around the daughter of Cinderella, daughter of the Queen of Hearts, um, using the Mad Hatter's pocket watch to travel back in time to prevent a disaster in the present. Um, it was already already previously reported that when they go back in time, they will meet teenage versions of their mothers, so a teenage Cinderella and a teenage Queen of Hearts. But recently... Um, It was also announced that they will encounter other teenage versions of some famous Disney characters while they're in the past. Who? All right, so let me get into this. So first up, we have... um, So this is an actor. They go by the name, just the name Mars. Um, It says in their bio, they use they, she pronouns. So they will be playing a teenage version of Maleficent. Alrighty, alrighty. I'm not sure how to feel about that, but like teenage like, Maleficent. I'm just trying to envision teenage Maleficent, but I guess we'll find out. Well, it's just weird because like Maleficent's like a being you think of like she's just always been like that. Like yeah. it's weird to think that like she had a childhood apparently. Yeah, like I mean, I guess it's good to get some background, but like have I ever thought about Maleficent's background? Not really. No, but yeah, so that's teen Maleficent. Um, next up, we have Anthony Pyatt as Teenage Hades. Hades. I, this could go really well or really poorly. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Well, it's like a Maleficent thing where, first of all, he's a Greek god. And I, I, I don't think the Greek gods were ever teenagers. Yeah. I, I don't know about... Is there like a myth beyond behind Hades create? I don't know. I don't know enough about Greek mythology to like have, but yeah, I, we, I love Hades and Hercules, but have I ever thought of young him? I cannot say I have. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird choice because so it's like, so Greek gods like grow up. 
is what we're we're hearing here. Right. It's like it's just like in like any version of Greek mythology, I don't feel like we ever learn like I hear about the gods going through like adolescence or anything. I sound like for the most part, it feels like they just come out like they are. <laughs> okay, but this is interesting. So this is according to Britannica, um, the page on Hades, characteristics, family, and mythology. Um, quote, and I'm just reading straight from Google here, um, or what pops up on Google. Hades was a son of Titans Cronus and Rhea and brother of the deities Zeus, Poseidon, Demeter, Hera, and Hestia. Okay, yeah. After Cronus was overthrown by his sons, his kingdom was divided among them, and the underworld fell by a lot. Okay, yeah, but we, that's that doesn't explain his creation. Because that's what, what I googled was creation. Um, so he's a son of somebody, I guess. So, because I always think of like Zeus, again, I'm not really well versed in Greek mythology. So whoever is listening to this, feel free to correct me. I always think of Zeus as like, I know there's like multiple gods, but he's like the big guy. That's how I think of it. Is that correct? Probably not. Um, But he, what they have parents. So that's interesting. I don't know. This is interesting. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll probably get a bit more about the this version in the movie. But yeah, I just think so far it's like we're, we're getting a little weird here with who we're turning the teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. There's some really interesting creative people on Disney's team. So I really hope that they make it work well. But we'll we'll see. Right. And now to um kind of like uh, divide up between the heroes and villains, we have... Uh, Cobbler Baria, as I'm sorry, I probably totally butchered that, but he's playing Teen Aladdin. Isn't Aladdin already like a teen? Pretty like, much. That's what I that's what I'm thinking. Like, isn't he like late teen, early 20? But it's like the fact of the matter, they're trying to get us to believe that Aladdin was a teenager at the same time as Maleficent and Hades. Yeah. Yeah. When okay, again, this is according to Wikipedia, so like being cautious to the source. But when Aladdin is initially introduced, he's an 18-year-old man. So, like, like, yeah, obviously, I guess, like, the premise is, like, they grew up and had children of their own. But, like, we've already met teenage Aladdin in the original Aladdin. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but also, joining him, we have Alzar Azar as Teen Jasmine, which, once again, isn't Jasmine already a teenager? I believe she's 15. According to Wikipedia, she's 15. Right. So it's like, what going on? Yes. And again, I get the premises that they grew up and had kids of their own. But like, also, we've met the teenage versions of them because that's how they originally appeared to us. Like, interesting choices that they're choosing for this movie. Like, they... This is interesting, but okay. We'll, we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, um, we got four more here, so I'll get through those real quick. Okay. Um, of course, we, we know we got, we're getting Teen Cinderella, so then we're also getting Tristan Padil as Teen Prince Charming. So, which, I guess that kind of makes a bit more sense, considering how, I don't know how young Cinderella and Prince Charming are in their story, but depending on it, like I guess it makes sense for them to know each other as teenagers, because that might be when their story takes place. Yes, I think they are teenagers in their story. 19 in the original movie, according to ScreenRant.com for Cinderella. 
uh, I don't know about Prince Charming age, Cinderella, Disney. Uh, Prince Charming, according to plain planetradio.co.uk. So again, very beware of the source, but um, uh, Prince Charming was 21 and she was 19. So. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so next up we have probably one of the most confusing ones. We have Sam Morelos as teenage Rapunzel, AKA Zelly. So she goes by a nickname Zelly. And here's my thing. Literally entangled, Rapunzel's turning 18 and she's never left her tower. What do you mean she's interacting with all these other characters? I feel like they're just using the source material as inspiration here. Right, because like the whole story of Cinderella is that she's never, not Cinderella, of Rapunzel is that she never left, she's never left the tower. Also, just a side note while I'm thinking about it. Disney, please bring something better for Tangled than bathrooms into your parks, please. Because I love the Tangled bathrooms, but we we needed more Tangled representation. Anyway, um, yes, uh, I don't understand that either. So I'm very confused about how they're going to make this work. I don't know if they even can make it work in a way that logistically blends with the source material that they're working with, but we'll see. Yeah. And now here's another really interesting one. We have Grace Narducci as the teenage fairy godmother. Oh, good goodness. Um, Her whole thing is that she's old. Like, that's just such a characteristic. Like, I hate to be... But that's part of the fairy godmother. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and then lastly, we have Peter Lindell as Morgie Le Fay, the son of Morgana Le Fay, who, if I remember my Arthurian legend correctly, Morgana Le Fay is a bad guy, like a villain. Yes, um, I actually played a version of her in a play in eighth grade. So he's here, so like, I don't know, so like, I guess there'd be like a little villain trio, maybe. I don't know. But like, I don't know. The fact that like we're supposed to believe that all these characters are interacting with each other in the past is like, I don't know. It's a little weird, Disney. Yeah. Are they going to make it so they jump to different times? Like maybe they're not all at the same time. I don't know. This is going to be wild. Yeah. It's just the whole time travel aspect is really what makes this movie kind of crazy because it's like, once you introduce time travel, like you can basically kind of basically do anything. Right. But I assume that it's going to be like a TARDIS kind of situation where they can like, obviously not jump planets, but jump like regions or whatever as well. Because like, I, you know, I think Cinderella takes place not in Agrabah. So like <laughs> how does that work too. Yeah. Cause I believe if I remember correctly, I think Cinderella is a French fairy tale originally. Probably. I'll give it a Google. Like, where does Cinderella take place? It's either French or German. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's French, because I'm trying to think, like, where does Cinderella do meet and greets at Epcot? <laughs> Smart. Yes, located in France. You are correct. 
Yeah, so um, she, they're French. So, yeah. So that's not like France and Agrabah are not. I know Agrabah is fictional, but like not this, not the same area. Right, and then we have Hades, who's Greek, and then I believe Sleeping Beauty is German. So like, or maybe also French. I don't quite remember. But either way, yeah, I don't know what they're gonna. It's also they're French. gonna to this. Oh. RadioTimes.com. Okay, well, still, like, I we'll see how they all come together. We'll also see how big a role they all play because, like, they seem to be more like second. They, they kind of feel like the supporting cast if you if you catch my drift. Right. Yeah. Um. Bro, I don't know. I don't know how this is going. I mean, it's a very creative idea. I give it to whoever came up with this idea that it is extremely creative. Like. I am impressed, but also not totally sure how it's going to go, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't think the movie has a release date yet, but I know they're currently in, they were in pre-production a little bit ago, so they might be fully filming now. So hopefully we'll get a release date by summer, but we'll see. But yes, I just want to report on that news because while this will be a directed Disney Plus movie, because let's kind of be honest, the decom's basically dead at this point. Um, it is, it, it is part of a what started as a decom franchise. So I'm like, oh, I guess I should report on it anyway. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you know, it's still it's still relevant as decom news. Yes. So that's um that's that. So um that all aside now, we're 20 minutes in, but you know, that's kind of how it goes around here anyway. Um it's time to finally get into the main the main course of this episode. We will be discussing a Buffalo Dreams. So Kate, um, would you like some background on this movie? I would love some background. All right. So Buffalo Dreams is a 2005 um, American Western television film. That's what Wikipedia says. It's apparently a Western. Oh, okay. Okay, Wikipedia. Okay. Uh, it originally released on March 11th, 2005. Um, it was directed by David Jackson. Um, this is also the only DCOM David Jackson ever directed. <sighs> okay, then. I, okay. Okay, David Jackson. Yeah, you, you, you did your one and you said, all right, bye. He, he was like, I'm not sticking with Disney anymore. Yeah. Um, so now as far as our cast goes, we have Riley McClendon as Josh Townsend. And Kate, did you recognize him right off the bat? He looks familiar, but I did not pinpoint from where. Okay, because I also have that. When I first saw him, I'm like, he looks familiar. Where, where do I know him from? I looked it up. He's um he's from Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off. He's one of Eddie's friends. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I, yeah, I have memory of that. Yeah, he, he's the he's um the one that's, like, really against Eddie baking or cooking, whatever, because, like, everyone in that movie was. Right. But, yeah, now he's he's been upgraded from supporting uh, supporting cast main character. Yes. So that's good. Yeah, um, we got Oh, sorry. Oh no, go on. I know, what were you going to say? I was just going to say it's cool that we've seen him in something before. Um I yeah, I had that vague. I think I've seen this kid, but I don't know where. Mhm. 
So yeah, we got our main character. We have Simon R. Baker as Thomas Blackhorse, and um, Simon Baker is actually he's not technically Native American. He's actually uh, Aboriginal Canadian, so he's actually a First Nation from Canada. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we have Graham Green as John Blackhorse. That's the grandfather. He's also um, Indigenous Canadian, so he's also Aboriginal as well. And I'm like, very interesting that in the movie about Native Americans, they got Indigenous Canadians instead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. That's interesting. I don't really know how to feel about that, um, but that's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, what should be noted, though, is that he was in um, the movie Dances with Wolves from 1990, which I know is a big talking point when it comes to Native representation in film, mainly because like not, that was like one of the first real big, like notable, I think, films to include actual Native American actors. Right. But like obviously it was made in the nineties, so like I'm sure the depiction wasn't the best, so there's some talking points about that, but you know, it was still like a big deal when it came out. Right. Um he was also in the Green Mile, which is a well known with another really well known movie. And then I believe if I read this right, let me find it again. He was also um in Twilight New Moon, he was Harry Clearwater. Oh my gosh. Wait, this guy was Harry? Wait, what? Yeah, this is Harry Clearwater from New Moon. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I know. The memories are coming back to you, aren't they? Okay, so this is this is Harry. What? Are we sure this is Harry Clearwater? What? I that's where I recognize this guy. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so I something everyone should know about me. I was not a big Twilight fan as a teenager, young teenager, or more like a kid. Um, when they came out, I guess I was more of a child. It's, it all blurs together. Um, I did like I, I I watched some of the movies. I went to the midnight premiere of one of them because I had a friend who really liked them. But then this past year, I got Miss Ronavirus back in May. And what did I spend my time doing? Reading Twilight and watching Twilight and just all the Twilight. And actually, I have uh, Breaking Dawn and uh, what is it called? The the Edward tale. I'm blanking on it. Oh, whatever. Oh, the one that's written from Edward's perspective. Yes, I have those in my bedroom right now. And I'll randomly open them up and like read a little bit of them before I go to bed sometimes. <laughs> Um, but oh my gosh, like I am, I'm shooketh because like this definitely, like I definitely recognize him now that I see him, but like as someone who is a Twilight fan, what? Yeah. I knew when I saw that, like, oh, I got to bring that up with Kate. Cause I know she'll be like, what? Gosh, I love Twilight, but then we don't have to get into that today. Let me do cut in with the caveat, though, that there's definitely a lot of problematic stuff in Twilight, too. Like, a lot of problematic stuff. Um, But there's... Anyway, we we could get into that a whole nother day, but I just needed to, like, put that caveat out there, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we have Graham Greene. We have Tessa Vaughn as Scout Blackhorse. 
We have Max Van Vile as Moon, who is a very interesting character that we'll get into. Yeah. And we have Chris Hunter as Kyle, who is our, our, our antagonist of this film. I don't really want to say villain because, well, like, I, I don't know. I feel like he just fits antagonist more than villain. Right. And then uh, we have Geraldine Keems as Abuela Rose. Abuela uh, Rose, Black Horse. Um, we have George Newburn as Dr. Nick Townsend. That's um, Josh's dad. We have Jane Sabat as Blaine Townsend. That's his mom, which fun fact, uh, did you recognize Jane Sabet, Kate? Yes. What is she from? That's Carol from Friends. Oh my gosh. That is, I was like, I recognize this lady and I can, I can't pinpoint her. How did I not? I've seen, that's like the one TV show I've seen every single episode of. How could I not recognize you, Carol? I'm so sorry. Yes, as you all know, Carol is Ross's first wife who ends up being a lesbian. Yes. Oh, we love Carol. Oh, I'm so, I can't believe that I didn't recognize her. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, this movie has got some stars in it. I know. I, well, I recognized her. I was like, I've definitely seen her in something, but I just didn't pinpoint her as to where. Mm-hmm. And then last but... You know, I never thought I'd see something with Carol and Harry Clearwater in it. But here we are. Here we are. And then last, but certainly not least, the one I was the most surprised to see, Adrian Bailon is in this. Yes, I did recognize her. Miss Chantel, Miss Chanel herself from the Cheetah Girls. Yes, which was interesting because this was after Cheetah Girls, right? Yeah, this was after the first. This is between one and two. Yeah, she's here as Domino. She's the local radio host. I guess she's just, you know, taking jobs. Good for her. Um, it's just interesting because she's uh, definitely more of just like a supporting role. Um, yeah, in definitely. And it's interesting to see her go back to a smaller role after starring in Cheetah Girls. Yeah, and um, I, I think I wrote this in my notes, and I said, wouldn't it have been fun if, like, at one point the radio station played a Cheetah Girl song? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> a little Easter um, egg. That would have been, yeah. I I absolutely uh, um, love her, though. So it was cool to see her in a in a different film because she's just so heavily associated with Cheetah Girls. Mm-hmm. But that's about it for um, as far as our cast goes. So, Kate, um, did you have any history with this movie at all? I had literally none. I have never heard of this movie before in my life. How about you, Jake? I also have never heard of this one before, which, fun fact, I went on the IMDb for this movie, and one of the trivia uh, uh, on the IMDb page was literally Disney Channel's most unknown movies alongside The Jenny Project, which we remember that one. Right. But then the other one they said was Ready to Run, and I'm like, really? Ready to Run's considered an unknown decom? Interesting. That's the, I wouldn't have guessed that, but okay. Yeah, I'm like, okay, interesting. Yeah, so this is a pretty unknown one. And yeah, I'd have to agree. I don't even think I ever saw a promo or a commercial for this one. 
Yeah, I literally oh. don't remember this at all. Um, like, I don't know, maybe. But, oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I don't know, maybe Disney just, like, dropped the ball on promoting this one. I'm not sure what really happened there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Oh, well, but now we've, we've watched it both for the first time now. Right. And in saying that, um, we're going to put another disclaimer right here, everyone. This movie depicts um, Native American culture and, well, if you didn't realize already, me, neither me and Kate are of that culture. So we really have no authority on to say on whether or not this was a good depiction of the culture or not. Yes. So especially also if we get something wrong, feel free to kindly correct us um, because we're here to learn. We are here to learn. We are here to learn and to be educated, which speaking of which, Something I do, I had learned beforehand is they do say and refer to themselves as the Navajo people in this movie. But I think in more modern times, the term Diné, which they do say a few times in this film too, is what they've come to be preferred to be called because Navajo is actually a name that like white people gave them, which was like um, people who hunt with knives. And it's like, oh, okay. So that's kind of like, the what the white people called you, whereas like you would prefer yourselves to be called Dene. But um, in the context of this film, I think we will, um, when they refer to themselves as Navajo and Navajo culture, we will uh, use that. But like in real life, like now, um, I think Dene is the more um, accepted term that they want to be called by. Yes. So um, thank you for that because I was actually I did not think about that. Um, so yeah, um, it's yeah we are gonna we're gonna do our best here, um, but we definitely definitely don't come from that background. Um, so we'll we'll we're gonna try. Um, we definitely on this podcast we do recognize that we live on stolen land, um, and are coming at this from a very like like please educate us if we mess up kind of framework so with that in mind yes with that in mind we're going to get into the plot but like i said please just um take anything we say regarding native american culture with a giant grain of salt because we do not know that being said though this is a little fun fact about me kate i don't even think i've ever told you this but um, while I do not have any uh, Native American in me, I do have some indigenous Guatemalan in me. Oh, do you? That's super cool. Yes, I, I believe I have some, um, I believe I'm part, uh, have part Mayan in me, Mayan Indian, you know, those, those guys who famously made that calendar. That is super, that's super cool. I would love to honestly know more um, about your heritage. And that's that's super cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I feel like the Mayans. There's so much, so much rich history there. I mean, there is with so many, so many groups, but that's really cool. But yeah, but that's you know that's different than it is indigenous of some kind though. But it's not like Native American indigenous. So like I just right. like I said, I don't know. And and even then, within you know Native American culture, there's so many different tribes, and they all have their own customs and ceremonies and everything it'd be like impossible to try and like lump them all together into one so we're not going to do that so yeah 
as we get into this plot, just take what we say in regards to the depiction of Native American culture with salt. And that being said, let's begin the plot. So, Kate, this movie opens on the road. With a boy who is not happy to be on the road. <laughs> yes, I think what we learn is that this is a Josh Townsend and his family is moving to New Mexico from, I don't think they specify which big city, but like just a big city. So like, it's a big culture shock for him to be going from like the big city to just out in the middle of like New Mexico where it's much more nature. Yeah. He's, he's definitely a city boy. We get that kind of off the bat. But he does have a hobby that is not necessarily city-like. Yes, um, we learn about that when they arrive at their new house. But before they arrive at the new house, they are take a stop in the small town nearby. And they stop at the Trading Post, which is like the local general store. Um, it's run by Abuela Rose. And she's um, talking about all the kinds of jerky they have in the store. I love her. But yeah, she definitely comes off a bit eccentric. Um, she's like, yeah, we have all this stuff. And you can tell that um, there's kind of like um, a vibe from, I want to call him Riley, but that's not his name in the film. What is his name in the film? Um, oh, Josh. Josh. Um, Josh is like not really particularly... Um, how do I put this? Like, he's not thrilled to be there, but like the parents are definitely like his parents are kind of trying to put on a little bit of a, like a front and be like, um, or putting on front. That's not right. But they're just, they're trying to be nice. Um, but yeah, she's definitely trying to sell them as much stuff as possible um, in the store, but she's great. We love her. Yeah. At one point she tries to sell them batteries, but that's where they say, no, we don't need those. Um, we also learn here that the reason they moved is because of Josh's dad's job. We learn uh, very quickly that he is an astrophysicist of all things. Like, all right. Mans is smart. He's smart. And when they get to the house, Josh sees an old bike that um, his dad got for him because we learn he's a cyclist. He's a bike boy. <laughs> yes. And so he immediately hops on that thing and takes off. Yeah, and we see him uh, biking around the... Now, uh, I'm a little confused. Are we supposed to believe this is a reservation, or is this just, like, regular land that people live on? I want to say that because, like, his family is white, and not na or at least not Native American, um, I would assume that it's, like just outside of the reservation that's kind of what i got but not sh totally sure yeah but anyway he's biking around um we get the classic he's about to run into two people carrying a pane of glass he stops right before he hits them but then they drop it anyway and he bikes off i think that's supposed to set up that he's like a little irresponsible yes definitely because it just shatters right in front of him and he's like mm, not my fault and then moves on yeah, so then we're at home the first night, and mom and dad are out on the porch watching the sky, and Josh is working on his bike, and then a storm comes in, and the storm knocks out the power, and Josh goes to get 
a flashlight, but the flashlight dies, and oh, right, they didn't buy batteries. Yeah, so that's not a good look for him. Yeah, it's um, it's not it's not great. Um, so then I believe this is now the next day, and I believe Josh is out cycling again, and I believe this is where we meet um basically the rest of his friend group. This is where we meet Scout, Thomas, and Moon. Yes, or who will become his friend group at least. Yeah. Well, because um he's apparently biking on Buffalo Preserve and he's not allowed to do that because it could spook the buffalo. And if you spook the buffalo, you know, it's not gonna be good. Yeah, so they're not very happy. Or, well, I should say that uh, Thomas in particularly is not very happy with him. Yeah, and um, so it's go, um, before we go forward, we should let it be known Thomas and Scout are Native American. Um, it's also revealed here that Scout doesn't talk. She currently communicates with sign language, which I think that's pretty cool. You know, just some sign language in 2005 DCOM. There is also a little tidbit when they're coming out of the store that we skipped over, though, where... Uh, Scout is it Scout and the grandfather yeah, like and he, she signs to him. She's like, "There goes the neighborhood." And when she sees Josh and his family, um, mm-hmm. but she communicates exclusively in sign language, and we'll figure out why soon or well later in the film. Yeah, and then also um, Moon is not Native American, despite his name. He is very much white. Yes. Um. So that's that. Um. Yeah, that's their first meeting in the cells. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, um, yeah, they're very, like, it's, it's, it's trying to think of how to describe Moon, but I'm not quite sure. Like, I was going to say hippie vibes, but I don't know if that's the right, the right descriptor. Right. He's like, I don't know, he seems to be very into like the culture despite not being Native American himself. That that part too, which is separate separate a little bit, but yes, for sure. Um, yeah, he's definitely and they talk about this at a later point, but he's very like invested in it for someone who is not uh native themselves. Yeah. And it's also where we learn that in order to calm the buffalo down, they sing Lean on Me. Yeah, which is an interesting tactic um, and one that we circle back to a couple of times in the film. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, they bank on lean on me and it seems to work. Mm-hmm. And then is, the, I believe we get a little cutaway to the uh, radio station. This is the first time we see Adrian Mylon in person. And I think, is this when she's with um, when the, bi- the other biker guys are in the uh, studio too, and they have her do like a little ad read for them. Yeah, they're like all chilling out with her and they're like, you should you should read it this way or whatever. And then she does read it on air. But then the one kid's like, are we live? And she's like, she gives him like a look. Are you like, are you kidding me right now? Um, So, yeah, they're kind of bothering her a little bit. But, yeah, they're just kind of hanging out in the studio with her. Yeah. So then it's the next day and we learn, even though I don't think we're ever told Josh's age, um, his dad got him a job at the astrophysics lab with him. And I'm like, what? And Josh is not thrilled about this. 
Not really. He's like, I, he doesn't want to really be here. He's like, great. I'm like branded as a nerd because he got a name tag. But what we learn is that his job is to just make copy, make copies all day. Right. And like he, they literally just. I'm sorry. Go on. I said like they literally just throw him in the copy room and go, all right, have fun. So he gets bored very quickly. I mean, like I would too. I'm like, you mean I just sit in this room all day? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of like, if I remember correctly, a little bit of a montage sequence of him kind of like bouncing around the room. Yeah, but like you can tell really quickly, he's not he's not about this this job. Yes, he does not want this. But that's okay, because he finds an alternative real fast. Yeah, because um, his mom's currently at the um, trading post again. And she sees um, a flyer about, like, um, volunteering to help at the Buffalo Preserve. And she talks to Grandma again, and she's basically just like, you know, um, I bet you're, we, we could really use your son's help with the buffalo. And so that kind of gets the idea in his mom's mind that maybe that's what he should do instead of work at the lab. And he, since he doesn't want to work at the lab, it ends up working for him, kind of. Yeah, like he basically ends up just uh, quitting this job at the lab and going to work with uh, Thomas, Scout, and Moon on the Buffalo Preserve. And of course, at first, they're kind of like judging him a bit because like Scout looks at his hand and she's like, yeah, he hasn't worked a day in his life because his hands aren't all callous. But it's like, he's from the city. There's now, I don't know how much manual labor, uh, however your old boy can do in the city. I know. And the fact, too, like, like somebody says, like, like, you, there's also a certain level of, like, um, one of them's like, you gave up working at the lab to work here. And he's like, yeah. And they're like, okay. So, like, all right. There's, like, a level of, um, A, like, acknowledging that he has no experience in manual labor and B, like, this sense of prestige or lack thereof with the different jobs, which I think is interesting that that's kind of incorporated. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so they're like, okay, well, fine. Like, I guess you're working with us now. Yeah. they teach him kind of about what they do. Like they repair fences, they do all this stuff. And he, he does questions like, so what exactly do you do with the Buffalo? Cause you're like, you don't eat them. You don't wear them. Where are you? What do you do? And uh, Thomas basically goes, well, it's basically just, like, native stuff. You know, it's our job to, like, protect and, like, herd the buffalo and all that. And while, like, that's being explained, um, Josh interrupts quickly. Be like, so where do you guys go? And at first, Moon's like, oh, what do you, he thinks he means where do you go for fun and everything. And Josh goes, no, I just mean where do I go to the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, so that's a cute little tidbit in there. Yeah, so they show us Josh going to the bathroom, which I'm like, I don't need to see that. Yeah, there's some, like, definitely childish humor in here now and then. Um, but then, is this the part where we roll up on the the biker? Yeah, kid? so what happens is he finishes his business. He turns around, and suddenly there's, like, a bunch of buffalo surrounding him. So he tries to, like sing lean on me to like calm them so he does like nothing bad happens and as he does that all of a sudden like the bikers are just like up on 
rock above him. And they're like, you singing to yourself, man? What? He's like, what? no, I'm not singing to myself. And this is when we get our first true interaction with him. And I believe the leader is Kyle. Yes. And we learn very quickly and that Kyle is not kind. We basically learn that Kyle's just got some casual racism going on, as you do. Yes, yeah, some very... Yes, just, yeah. So, um, he makes some, does he make, he makes some very questionable remarks for, questionable's not the right word, some very bad remarks throughout the whole movie. Um, but he's kind of, he, I mean, he's clearly a jerk from the beginning, but then um, Josh's friends find him, like they come up to him too, as he's kind of being picked on a little bit. Yeah, and they're like, you're not supposed to be here. You know, this is the Buffalo Preserve. There's no cyclists allowed here. And, of course, Kyle and his little groupies are like, oh, whatever. And they, like, ride off. And um, this is, I think we get our first inkling of Josh thinking they're, like, kind of cool because they have all these, like, really cool-looking bikes and gear, whereas his bike is, like, not the best. Yeah, so he's definitely jealous of them. Um, And so... um, they like after he I don't want to skip ahead too much. You can continue because I feel like my next comment was going to skip ahead a little too much. Uh, yeah, basically, they they end for the day and um, Thomas like offers to drive uh, Josh back to the place. And Josh like, no, I'll ride back because he's got his bike. And he's like, are you sure it's going to start raining soon? And he's like, no, I'll be fine. And then, yeah, Josh ends up just uh, riding home in the rain. And then this is when we get another questionable shot where they straight up show Josh in the bathtub. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why these choices were made. I don't know. But anyway, we go to the next day and Josh is at like <clears throat> the bike shop in town looking at new bikes. And he encounters Kyle again. Cause he's um Josh is like oogling this really nice bike. But Kyle's like, yeah, don't even think about it. I just bought that and flashes his gold credit card. Ooh, he's got money. Ooh. Yeah, so he bought a this bike and Josh is like, but then he's like talking to Josh and he's like, yeah, you should definitely come riding with us sometimes. But in his like little dialogue that he has with Josh, he also makes racist commentary and grandma's overhearing all of this. Yeah, so Grandma goes, it's time for one of my famous potlucks. And Scout's like, oh, no. It's like, don't go there. And she's like, I will. So then we basically cut to the night of the potluck, and Josh and his family arrive. And they get to meet all the other people who, like, I guess live in the town. Because, you know, it's very communal. It's very, like, everyone knows everyone. And um, this is where, basically, we get the some bonding between Josh, Thomas, Scout, and Moon. And then Josh's parents talking to um, Grandma and Grandpa. Um, grandma basically explains that Thomas Thomas basically has internalized racism. Yeah. Because she's like, he hates he hates Navajo culture, he hates Navajo food. He's just like, he's not about it. And I'm like, oof. Yeah. And uh grandpa and the dad have like a conversation where grandpa's like, we want this, where we have we kind of have the same goal and the dad's like, well, I'm an astrophysicist. I look at the stars to, like, protect the planet or space or something something like that. And then I believe the grandpa says something along the lines of, like, we look to space for guidance or the stars for guidance or something like that. 
Yeah, and then um, while they're talking, the kids are like lying on the ground and looking up the stars. And Josh comments how it's like, you know, you've never, I've never seen this many stars before. You don't get this in the city. And this kind of gets Thomas to kind of go off on a little rant about how he's like, you know, my my grandparents want me to be like this perfect Navajo son, and that's not what I want to be. And Josh tries to be like, yeah, my dad wants me to work in the lab my whole life, and I don't want to do that. And it's like, Josh, Josh, Josh. Not comparable in the same, not comparable at all. Yeah. But like yeah. they're bonding, so they're bonding. Is it comparable? No, but they're bonding. Yeah. And then a little while later, um, Josh sees Scout in her room. She's like looking at a photo and she's mouthing along to a song. And that's when Thomas comes up and goes, Well, okay, so she's not deaf, but um, she just doesn't talk anymore. Because we learned that she wasn't always like this. Something happened that made her basically mute. And we'll learn what that is later. Yes. Um, so now. Oh, go on. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I was going to say, so now it's the next day. And after they're done with the work for the day, um, Thomas, Moon, and Scout take Josh to a secret place. A secret watering hole, swimming waterfall place. It's um, it's you know, it's a it's nature swimming hole. There are these rocky cliffs, and there's a nice stream and a waterfall where they can like cool off because it's in New Mexico in the summer. So I assume it's very hot. Yes, and so um, they have a lot of fun. Of course, Josh is scared to jump at first, which like I would be too. Um, and at first, I was nervous Moon was going to push him, but he doesn't. Um, he uh. But Josh does jump in, and they are having a good old time. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that they straight up tell him, you know, you don't have to jump if you don't want to. And they, they do very much mean it. You know, they're like, they're not going to try and force him to jump if he doesn't want to. But he does. And yeah, they're having a fun time. And um, we learn that this is a sacred place. This is sacred Navajo land. And uh, Thomas tells Josh, you can't tell anyone about this. And then I immediately clocked going, well, he's obviously going to tell somebody about this place now. Right. So is it the next day that he's like, he goes out on his bike and immediately grandma and grandpa show up. Uh, Josh like show, is on his bike, but the uh, Navajo grandma and grandpa show up. Yeah. Because um, it's the day that um, the Kyle and his gang were going to be biking out at this area. So we see Josh standing at what it says is a bus stop. But then grandma and grandpa show up in their uh, truck and they're like, you going to a red rock or something? Yeah. I think it's red rock. And he's like, Oh yeah. And they just drive him over. So I'm like, is that to reply that grandma and grandpa are the bus service as well? Pretty much. But you have to remember the grandma was spying on him when he made these plans. Yeah. So like maybe it's all her plan. Yes. But yeah. They drop him off and he meets they're up with Kyle. Like, they're like, be really careful. Yeah, um, and they drop him off, and they're like, yeah, "Be careful, have fun, though." And he meets with up up with Kyle and his gang, and I just I don't know why Josh wants to be friends with them so bad. They're they're jerks. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I guess it's just like wanting to fit in, but also at the same time, it's so stupid because they suck. Like they literally are just terrible. And when yeah, I like. When I didn't like someone in high school, I did not want to be around them. So I don't know why he's trying to seek their approval, but whatever. Yeah, me neither. So, like, they're biking, and at one point, Josh, like, 
um, hits like a stump or something and flies off his bike and they just like bike away and laugh at him. And he's, mm. and then eventually they, they end for the day. Cause it's like very hot outside and they're like, we should go to the community pool and like swim. And they're like, no, nah, there's going to be too many people there. And that's when Josh and his continued efforts to try and impress these people for some reason goes, I know a place where we can swim. And I go, what are you doing? Yeah. And so he brings them to the watering hole, which they completely disrespect, which is not surprising. Yeah, they literally just immediately start littering. And then after they like swim for a little bit, they start tagging the place. And I'm like, where did you get spray paint? Yeah, like who carries around spray paint with them? (laughs) And of course, Josh is all like, wait, you can't be doing this. This is like sacred land. And then we get some more racist remarks from Kyle. And he's like, it's not, it, it, and Josh is basically just trying to be like, you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, this isn't your land to the file, but Kyle's friends don't care. So Josh just leaves. But then, but then Thomas finds out and boy, is he upset. Yes. Cause, yes, cause the next day I think Josh fakes being sick. So he doesn't have to go into work cause he doesn't want to um, con- be confronted by Thomas and Moon and Scout, but they still go to work and do their stuff. And they go to the watering hole to find all the litter and the tagging. And they're like, well, there's only one person we know who could have led those guys here. And they're like, it can't be, but it is. But then, so um, Thomas and his grandpa go to uh, uh, um, Josh's house, not Kyle's house. That would have been since Josh's yeah. house. And Thomas is very upset, very rightfully so, because, like, you literally just let these guys deface sacred land. And Josh is not really apologizing. He just goes over and over again. Well, I couldn't stop them. I couldn't do anything. And Thomas is like, well, what you should have done is not brought them there in the first place. Right. And so um, he's super upset for, like, um, for very, very, very valid reasons. And they decide... Is it the grandpa that decides that they should go like camping together or something? Yes, grandpa decides that need they need to go on an ex- excursion into the wilderness for one night alone, the two of them, because um, they need to become closer to nature, especially Josh, because he let it get defiled. And of course, Thomas is like, great, now I got to do this because, you know, he's not about that, the, the Navajo culture or traditions that much. But they they both agree to do it anyway. And we see them packing for their camping trip. And Josh packs like leftovers from the fridge and stuff. Yeah. And so when they're out there, um, they're not very happy with each other. And they decide to like sleep separately. But then they both have these very weird dreams. Yeah, so like um, Josh is, well, it seems like Josh is at least trying to be be friendly with Thomas again, but Thomas is just so mad and angry at him. He's like, I don't want to hear it. Um, You go downstream, I'll go upstream. We will sleep separately tonight and meet back here at nine. But yeah, um, had these dreams, which I think Josh questions, is this a vision quest or something? And Thomas is like, well, Navajo don't really do that. This is kind of just like a becoming closer with nature thing. But as they're sleeping, they do have visions. They have dreams. Yes. And I I just realized I didn't mean weird as in like, I mean, it's weird because they're both like they both have very vivid dreams. Um, Yeah. So um, in Thomas's dream, he like reaches up and he grabs some kind of like, is it like a, it's not a spear, but it's like some kind of. 
like a staff. Yeah. Um, and he is being approached by like an ancestor. You like an elder. Yeah. Um, and that, but the elder is, what does the elder say to him? I can't remember. He's basically like telling him like, you know, you are the one in charge of the Buffalo. You must make sure that they are protected and safe. And at first Thomas is all like, well, I don't really want to do that, but it's like, but you are the one who has to do it. And then like the elder disappears and then uh, Thomas is with Scout and they are being confronted by a Buffalo and Thomas uses his um, skills that he has to um, calm it. So like, it's basically his dream is uh, to reinforce the fact that, you know, he has this duty to the people to like, you know, um, herd the Buffalo. And he's like, Oh, I get it now. He's like, basically Thomas is like, he's reconnecting with his culture. Right. Um, So at the same time as this is happening, Josh has a dream. Yeah, and in his dream, a hawk comes up to him and starts talking to him. Yes. And he's like, you can fly. And Josh is like, no, I can't. It's like, and the, and the hawk's like, you can. We all have bird spirits in us. And it's like, you can be any bird you want. You can be a hawk. You can be an eagle. You can be a pigeon for all I care, man. But, you know, just try. Fly. And then the hawk flies away. Because in his dream, Josh is on this really high cliff. And there's, like, no way down. Yeah. And but the the he does and he gets to um uh the water waterfall where they desecrated it. Yeah, so like Josh's dream is like kind of finally realizing like really how bad it was for him to let this happen cuz like, you know, this is nature, this is native land, it's sacred land and it should have never been mistreated like this. I also, when he flew, I'm like, man, I love Soren. <gasps> I love that. I love that. Oh my yeah. gosh. Because it kind of it did have Soren vibes. It really did. It really did. I fun fact for the listeners: I did go uh, para gliding once, and. Um, the entire time I was thinking in my head, like, this is real life Soren. I am real life Soren. I just had the music blaring in my head the whole time. So, you know. Um, but yes, definitely Soren vibes. Yeah. Um, but then they are both awoken by an approaching storm. And they meet up with each other and they're like, let's go to this cave we passed earlier. We'll be safe in there. And it's in this cave where they bond and we learn that Thomas's parents um, passed away in a car accident. They were on their way to Seattle because they also kind of wanted to just get away from the culture for a little bit. But they unfortunately passed away. And that's how when we learn that that's the moment when scouts stopped talking, like the trauma of losing their parents did that. Right. Um, so then. Oh, go on. No, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. Nothing. I lost it. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, you're good. Okay, but yeah, so they bond, and then the next morning, they return back, and then suddenly this movie just completely changes plots out of nowhere? Yeah. So, that's really weird, but 
Yeah, because what ends up happening is Josh challenges Kyle to a race. And he says, if I win, you stay off the Buffalo Preserve forever. But if you win, you have free reign. And I go, Josh, Josh, this is not your land to bet. I know. Like, Mans isn't... He has good intentions, but that doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't change the fact... It doesn't change the fact that this basically becomes a white savior movie. Yeah, well, the fact, too, from the beginning, I was a little bit like, okay, so we have a movie about Native people with a white protagonist. Mm, okay. mm. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but and like, now it's ba- yeah, anyway. Yeah, and now it's basically a white savior movie because Josh has bet the native people's land in a race that he is going to compete in. And I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, so he tells um, Thomas this while they are like fixing up a car. No, they're in like a garage. Basically, they have like a weird little training montage kind of thing. It's weird. Um, Like a mini. I don't know. He ends up doing sit-ups in the garage. Um, And Thomas finds out about this and he's like, yeah, maybe I should. First off, that's not cool. Secondly, like maybe I should do this instead of you. Yeah. Because the place they're going to race, it's like, you've never been there. You don't know the terrain. I do. Also, um, not Thomas, uh, Josh goes to Thomas's grandfather for like, Navajo herbs and spices that will help him get in shape. And once again, I'm like, ah, yes, the white man is going to use the natives' resources. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. <laughs> that's that. But yeah, so they go to where the race will be held. And I wrote, this looks like some Jurassic Park looking stuff. It really there's like steam does. coming out of the ground. It really does. It reminds me of like a, they're like looking over this mountain and it reminds me because like I'm a skier. Well, I, I say that, but like I haven't skied this year at all. But um, uh, I generally, I'm a, I'm a skier and I was like, ooh, this looks like a very, very steep slope to ski down. I can't imagine a bike trail built into this mountain. Yeah. And this is when Tom is like, yeah, maybe I should do this. But then Scout She's like, no, Josh has to be the one to do it. And she gives Josh her necklace for good luck. And then we get a training montage of Josh, you know, training, taking, um, eating spices, making weird green juice. Um, but oh, then he asked the grandpa for advice on like what to eat. Yeah. That's yeah. And like what spices to have. And it's like this whole montage until eventually we get to like, um, I want to say like a week before the race and Josh sees Kyle and his gang uh, cycling by and he tries to like catch up to them to show them like, I, I am a threat to you. I am formidable. And then what ends up happening is doesn't Kyle like pop one of his tires. Yeah. They like take a stick and like, yeah, they mess with one of his tires. Josh goes flying, um, lands in the dirt. His bike is messed up so he can't ride it anymore. And so he's out, like, in the middle of nowhere trying to get home. Yeah, and then all of a sudden a storm starts. And his parents get worried pretty quick because, like, he's just not coming home. And so they call the local radio station and they put out a word. And um, uh, 
Thomas and his grandpa are out looking for him too. And they do find him. He's just like underneath a tree, like huddled. Like he's just like, he's completely lost, but they find him, but then he's not in real good shape folks. Yeah. He's definitely like very cold and wet and possibly sick and just kind. And his bike is like nowhere to be found. Yeah, and Grandpa goes, like, his his physical wounds will heal, but his spirit also needs to heal. And then they also bring in, like, well, Dad says we're bringing in a medical doctor, but um, Mom is like, well, we're just, you know, we're covering all our bases, because obviously Mom is a little bit more open to what Grandpa has to say than what Dad does, because, you know, Dad's a scientist. He believes in facts. Right. And the the doctor goes, well, his physical wounds will heal fine, but it seems like he's has he been under a lot of stress lately because he hasn't told his parents about this competition. And then it comes out, and his parents are like, "Wait, he races?" Yeah, like he he, he like challenged Kyle to a race, and they're like, "What?" And so we learn that it's been like a whole day, and Josh is still like not awake. So the dad kind of goes out for some reason. I don't know, probably clear his head, and he passes by these three signs that are like. What did they say? Like, um, looking for something. Yeah, and then so he pulls into this little, uh, shop, I guess, and he at he, the girl in there is like, "What are you doing here?" And he's like, "Well, um, I don't know." And she's like, "Oh, you know, like you should buy him a bike." And he's like, "How did you know?" And she's like doesn't say anything and then she's like i have a cheap one in back for you which i do want to point out we've never met this character before she's just a random new character but i do want to point out this does kind of lean heavily into like the mystical native trope because she just like i was gonna say i felt like it felt like a spiritual moment yeah, but, like, she just shows up out of nowhere, and she, like, happens to have the exact thing he needs, but she talks in, like, riddle almost, and it's like, okay, Disney. Yes. But they get a bike. And then Josh eventually wakes up, and he sees his new bike, and everyone's like, oh, my God, you're awake. Yay. No time for that, though, because now it's race day. Yes. And so um, everyone's supporting Josh. Um, and. They're, the race starts, and first off, Kyle doesn't play fair from the beginning and, like, tries to you trip for something on the way out, which is, like, cheating much. Um, but then, slowly but surely, Josh gets ahead. Yes, but then what we are shown is that because um, someone driving along the road, their exhaust pipe goes off for a moment, it startles the buffalo, and they start heading towards town. And at one point along the the race, uh, I believe Josh sees this and he's like, wait a minute, I think the Buffalo are going towards town. And so he actually gets to a certain point in the race where he can like come back and he um, he kind of abandons the race to um, warn um, his friends who are like, yeah, we got to stop this. Yeah, so Josh basically abandons the race because he's like, dude, this race is not important. We got to go stop the buffalo from stampeding through town. And at first, Kyle's like, whatever, I'm going to go finish the race. But then for some reason, Kyle's friends like turn on him all of a sudden. They're like, no, we're going to go help these guys with the buffalo. Yes. 
So um, the um, Thomas and Josh and them are like biking, um, trying to kind of herd the buffalo, I guess. Um, yeah, but- and then at one point, Thomas accidentally gets flung off his bike and is now being faced by a buffalo. So he's like on the ground and this buffalo looks like it's going to stampede him. But then what happens, Jake? Scout arrives and she starts singing Lean on Me. Even though she has not talked in years, effectively saving her brother from being trampled by a buffalo. Listen, it's the power of family or something. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so, um, yeah. And then they they save the town from the buffalo. Like, it's really kind of quick at this point. It really is. Well, because we only have like five minutes left. We got to wrap this thing up. Yeah. So now we're having another potluck to celebrate the fact that the town was not trampled by buffaloes. Also, we never see Kyle again, but uh, I don't care about that. Yeah. But then they like make Kyle an honorary Navajo or something. Yeah. Let's talk about this at the, at the ceremony. Firstly, they have uh, Thomas come up and they're like, you know, you helped lead the charge against, um, to herd the buffalo. Here is this arrowhead necklace that belonged to your father. I know he would be proud of you if you were here right now. And they go, but now, uh, Josh, please come up as well. It's like, because of your courage, we are going to give you the name Rides with Wind. And I am sitting there, like, very uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and because... Yeah, I I don't know how else I'm supposed to react to a white person basically becoming an honorary Native American. Like, okay, I've, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. So, like, let me, uh, I th- want to say, I can't find it. Yeah. I, yeah, um, I was gonna say I swear that I, I could definitely be wrong. Like I want to preface this, I could very, very much be wrong. I thought that I read about some tribes doing something like this at some point, but like obviously that's see, I struggle with this because I don't want to say the wrong thing, and that's obviously their prerogative. But the fact that this is in a movie with the white person already as the protagonist. And, like, then it, it just it perpetuates this white savior narrative is the way that I am kind of see it. But, like, again, I, I'm obviously a white person, too. So, like, that's also where I'm, like, I don't want to mess this up. Um, yeah, it's just very uncomfortable, personally. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's basically where the movie ends because it ends with uh, Josh and... Thomas being like congratulating each other and I that's basically where it ends and I'm just left with kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I was like okay, this is yeah, again the whole the whole premise and structure and be, the freaking end of it it just yeah, and I don't know, I just I, uh, yeah, it very very uncomfy and not perpetuating narratives that we want to perpetuate yeah so that all being said kate 
Uh, what's your final thoughts and your rating of this one? I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't, it was definitely like, an, to me, I thought it was kind of an air decom. It was, again, some stuff in here that, like, I, on the one hand, like, I, I can't make commentary to an extent being, like, a white woman, but also, I'm actually uh, in a decolonial rhetorics course right now, so I have been reading some, some uh, I've been reading some scholastic stuff that I'm kind of, like, connecting this to in my mind. Um yeah, uh, there's some problematic stuff, too, obviously, and, like, I don't know. Um, holistically, I think I'm going to rate it a six. Um, yeah, how about you, Jake? Yeah, I don't, I'm really, like, I agree with you full, fully. Like, this movie, it was already a pretty middle-of-the-road decom, but just the depictions and like kind of the stereotypes they kind of dip into with native American culture and like turning by the end, it's a white savior movie. I just uh, <laughs> kind of brings yeah. it down. I know you said six. Um, I'm going to just, it's going to sound a little brutal, but I think I'm going to bring it down just a little bit more. I think I'm going to do 5.5. That is fair. Yeah. So not our favorite of decoms, but it is on the list. So we had to cover it. Yeah, so once again, and I think we pretty much like tried to avoid talk of like Navajo culture and all that just because like we don't know any of it. We're just we're very we're very ignorant ignorant when it comes to that. So like if you guys have anything you wanna educate us on about, you know, kindly do that and we will listen and we will learn because it's not a culture we grew up with, so we couldn't really comment on it, but we could at least we at least were like, yeah, I don't know how much, I don't know about that one, Chief, when it came to some of these. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if we, again, if we did misrepresent anything or say anything problematic on accident, always feel free to kindly correct us. Um, but because, again, we are very much in a space where we want to learn and be as good of humans as possible, but also, yeah, this was, I'm glad this one's over. <laughs> Yeah, we are moving on. In fact, Kate, we are moving on so much that um, we're not even going to be talking about a live action movie next time. I know. I looked this up, and I'm excited. I don't. I don't remember watching this movie, but I'm very. I'm very excited to watch it. Yeah. So join us next episode for a much lighter decom and a much lighter topic because we will be watching our first animated decom. We are watching Kim Possible movie. So the drama. Yeah, so that's exciting, um, and we can definitely talk about connections. I've not seen the live-action Compossible, but I remember that getting a lot of heat a couple of years ago. Um, mm. So the Kim Possible coming up, but obviously this one's animated. Um, but is this our first animated decom? Yes, it is. It's the first animated decom. All right. Well, I am excited. Mm-hmm. But all right now, Kate, we've reached the end of our episode. So where can our lovely listeners find you on social media? You can find me at KVRandom on uh, the Instagram. How about you, Jake? You can find me at JakeBlueArt on Instagram. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Something New Pod. 
We also have an email. If you ever feel like using that, that's start of something new podcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to this on Apple podcasts, you can leave a rating and review. And if you do that, we'll read it live on the show. And lastly, this podcast is distributed on anchor and anchor is a podcasting app that allows you to record and distribute podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. And if you're on Anchor, you can leave a voice message. And if you ever want to do that, we'll listen to it live on the show. But all right, everyone, uh, thank you so much for bearing through this episode. Um, Once again, just one real big apology for anything we might have said wrong or just completely did not get right or anything. So thank you for getting through this one with us. Um, But we'll see you next time for a much lighter fare with uh, So the Drama. See you then. See ya. Bye.